The views and opinions expressed in the following episodes are those of the individuals and are not meant to insult or offend anyone. Jeez, dark and gloomy much? Are you trying to be an edgelord? Well, then how should I put it then? I don't know. How about... We come in peace. We mean no harm. We may spoil some things. We may swear a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So listener discretion is advised. another episode of Little Nerdy. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm your co-host, Owen. And today, we're going to start our October spooptacular month. Mm-hmm. Going to get it going with a nice little top ten list of our favorite horror movies. Yes. So, these are, like, the reason why we're doing horror movies is because, unlike t- uh, TV series and stuff, is that... Horror movies are more of a quick shock, a flash kind of thing. Like, just bam, gives you that complete, like, jump scare thing. Mm. So we thought the ones that gave us the most chills and the most long-term memorable, like, that is creepy and scary and the can ones haunt that are your nightmares. spoopy. Yeah, the ones that can haunt your nightmares. Yeah. All right, now, before we get going, uh, I'd like to give a big shout-out to Black White Check for their incredible work with our intro and outro music. Yes, thank you so much. And if you guys want to check them out, please feel free to go to their website, www.blackwhitecheck.com. And, all right, let's get started with the list. All right, so, coming in at number 10, we've got Truth or Dare. Uh, I'm going to choose Truth. <laughs> oh no, you're not asking me the question. Okay, yeah. So, we actually watched this movie just a little while ago, and it was quite the interesting concept, because most people think Truth or Dare is kind of one of those young teens, high schooler kind of games, and, you know, something that it's like, oh, you know, this is just a game to get people kissing and stuff like that. Right. But what if the demon was playing with you? Yeah. What if it was the one forcing you to pick Truth or Dare? Absolutely, and as we all know from back in the day when we did our very first uh, debate without hate, yep. I am terrified of demons. Mm-hmm. And so this movie got it got me good. It was pretty freaky. Um, and the thing was is, of course, anybody who's listened to our uh, show for a long time knows that I'm always trying to, you know, outthink something. Trying to figure out, it's like, how do you beat something with your mind before you have to resort to your brawn? Yeah. And so my thought was, well, why don't they just always choose truth? Sure, they'll reveal some horrible secrets about themselves and each other. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, that's nothing compared to doing something that can be very dangerous or very scandalous. Yeah. Except for, what if you're not allowed? What if there's a rule? Two truths and a dare. Yes. So, if two people choose truth, the next person who has to play in the order of the game has to choose a dare. Exactly. So now you have to choose which is most more important. You doing a dare or someone else doing a dare. Yeah. And, and it, if you don't complete your truth or dare, you die. 
So it's it was a good uh, movie that I gotta say when especially the how the whole premise of the thing gets going. Yeah. It's like yeah you know you got the good girl who's like the lead actor or actress and she's getting the you know planning her summer vac or spring break or whatever it was. But everybody else, of course, wants to party, and, you know, like, th- this isn't really spoiling anything, of course, because, no. like, this is the first, like, five minutes of the movie, and, you know, they're like, we'll work on the Habitat for Humanity with you kind of thing, or what was it, uh, Shelters yeah. for... No, it was Habitat for Humanity, as long, they're, they're like, essentially the premise is that she was going to go to, for a week, and she was going to build houses with houses with for humanity. One of her friends basically unsubscribed her from doing that or whatever or unsigned her up for it and all her friends were like we'll we'll do two weeks in the summer with you so they lose one week of you but they get uh two weeks of the five of us yeah and it's like if anything you're being generous by not going for that one week yeah right so and then so they kind of twist her arm a little bit to be like okay if i go down to mexico with you guys and i have some drinks and we party like the because it's the last it's spring break. It's their last spring break, yeah. Yeah, so of course it's like, hey, you know, it makes sense. You know, spend some time with your friends and everything, and then you do a, a good cause for humanity in the long run. Yeah. Things go bad quickly, and that's when they come across a guy who introduces them to the game. And then things just go wild from there. Yeah, good movie. Uh, the plot, the end of the movie, I thought was a little like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. But it wasn't as bad as like some movies where we've seen. Yeah. The um, ending is always a tricky one to me in horror movies because it can make or break the whole movie. Well, and the thing with horror movies, too, is there's been so many franchises. I mean, we have a ton of franchises just on our list alone. And... A lot of times they want to set it up for maybe a continuation. Right, another one. So, that being said, yeah, it's a difficult, like you said, a difficult thing to set up because you want to please the audience in case you aren't going to do follow-up films. But you also want to set it up so that it is possible to do follow-up films depending on how well your film does. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes if the film doesn't do very well, or sometimes if it does very well, but they don't make a sequel, to me there's always that fun part of like, when you watch it and the ending of it happens, mm-hmm. it leaves room for the audience, the fans, to kind of think in their mind, well, what's going to happen next? Yeah. I mean, as much as like that desire to want to see more happens and gets like the whole buzz going and people want to see a sequel and stuff, a lot of times there's that just... Because if you're not certain if there's going to be a sequel and everything, yeah. you kind of think in your mind, is like, what's going to happen next? You know, you kind of get that... Uh, the gears going and your mind really starts racing and it gets the scary go uh, scary in your mind going thinking oh man like if this is real what uh, what would I do what would what's gonna happen or what what would happen if I came across this situation yeah and I think that's why I didn't mind the ending is because the way that they left it it's absolutely like I've been every once in a while even now and we watched that movie what a couple months ago yeah I still ponder oh what would I do? What would I do for a sequel? And that's why I think I'm okay with the ending mm-hmm. and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we watched that on Netflix. It was um, Truth or Dare Director's Cut. Yeah. Uh, we didn't watch the other one because they have it without the Director's Cut, but we went for the Director's Cut because, let's face it, the Director Cut's always the best. 
Yeah, I'd say 99% of the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, uh, it, t- it takes quite a uh, train wreck of a movie to make the director's cut not good. Like, yeah. It has to really make you go, that doesn't make any sense, or what was the director thinking? But generally, the director's cut's always a bit better, because there's more plot, more story, more, you know, it's it's hard to... Sometimes that saying, less is more, but in some t- but with directors, like, with what they wanted to create, and what they wanted to do, and what they want to leave in, makes the movie even better. Yeah. So... That was our uh, number ten to start the list. Yeah, so then number nine is... They Live... Now, I know what you're thinking. Zombie movie, right? They live. <laughs> That's what I first thought when I saw the cover art and uh, the uh, I heard the name. I was thinking, oh, man, like this looks like a zombie movie type thing. Yeah. The cover art for that was actually really interesting, for sure. Because it had the guy with the sunglasses on. Yeah. Um, and then in the sunglasses reflection, there was like a skeletal, almost looking face with eyeballs bulging out of it. Yes. So you think it's some kind of weird zombie movie or something. But it wasn't. No, it was actually this uh, alien invasion movie. And these aliens have worked their way into every facet of uh, human society. Yeah. Be it everything from everyday working class citizens all the way up to like police chiefs, uh, lawyers, governors, politicians. Yep, even the elite and rich and whatever. They uh, infiltrated everywhere, but the guy found this pair of sunglasses that revealed to him everyone who was actually an alien in disguise. Yes. And the, the line that most people have probably heard from like Duke Nukem or something, or from other movies or franchises, is the classic line, I'm here to kick... He comes in with a shotgun and wearing the glasses. I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. <laughs> and I'm all out of gum. Yep. Yes. And it was definitely, I think... And now, mind you, I was really young when I first saw this movie. Yep. Um, But I think it was, like, really... It was very interesting, I think, premise. It was interesting for the day. I think... I mean, now looking back, maybe the, like... Special effects aren't that great. But back then, they were awesome. Well, this movie was made, what, back in the 1980s? I think so. Yeah, so this movie, of course, you know, had a very limited uh, special effects abilities and stuff. But to me, especially a lot of those, the more classic ones, it's not so much the special effects. It's like the whole Jaws thing, where it's you don't see the shark, but you know the shark's out there. You don't know who is the alien imposter, but you know they're out there. And to me, the great shock value of this movie was essentially that you don't know who's human and who's alien and uh, who, like, kind of thing until you put these glasses on. Yeah. And from somebody who isn't part, uh, like, you know, somebody who doesn't know the truth or know what's going on with this, it just sounds like a crazy conspiracy group of people. Like, you know, the, uh, you could say, like, the people that believe in Lizardmen. And stuff like that. Or robot people, or androids walking around as people. And it's like, it just sounds like a crazy theory. But to me, the shock value, the one that really makes it creepy, is the fact that, according to the movie, the conspiracy theory people are right, and they're trying to save humanity. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think, you know, that's all up to interpretation about what, who and what and everything. But this, according to the movie, is that we're the crazy ones for thinking that they're just going around randomly without any rhyme or reason, attacking and killing these people. Yeah. When really, they're actually aliens that are trying to 
make us into like I guess their uh, cattle and uh, or their you know livestock type thing. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, I'm the dumb dumb for not seeing this. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And that's what made it creepy to kind of like is that it, it had this air of possibility and yeah. made you kind of question everyone and everything you've ever seen. I agree. So that's what really made it, because there's never been a sequel as far as I know. No, not that I know of. And yet, the way that it ends and the way that it all goes is that it actually makes you like walk like walk away from the movie thinking, are, are you human? Yeah. Are, is, the, is, is our neighbor human? Is the person I'm working with human? Is this something that could possibly become, even just with technology advancing something that wouldn't be aliens necessarily but something that could become a reality where the people you think you're talking to are not necessarily the people you think they are right yeah which created a great shock value and exactly made a great movie so moving on to number eight gremlins <laughs> <laughs> oh that little laugh is always so terrifying how they just cause so much mayhem oh my gosh do you remember the rules um, okay, do not feed after midnight. Yes. Do not get them wet. Yeah. And I think there's a third rule I'm forgetting. Yeah, I think there's a third rule I'm forgetting as well. But yeah, um, the getting them wet part was the whole, uh, Gizmo gets a little splash on him, which Gizmo is so funny and he's so adorable. I love Gizmo. But yeah, uh, getting him wet actually is like a reproductive system for them somehow. It doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it was a horror movie and... Of course, they needed to create a lot of these little monsters that were terrifying. Yeah. And so, of course, you know, he gets splashed with some water, and all of a sudden, these other one, other little gizmo juniors start popping out all over the place. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, and then, of course, the kid thinking, oh, they're all hungry and everything, but it's after midnight. Thinking, oh, what's the big deal? What's the difference between, you know, 12 a.m. and 12 p.m. kind of yeah. thing feeding them? Well, of course, that's when chaos ensues because they go from good little gremlins to nasty, horrible, disgusting little shits who wreck everything. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and stuff. But I just like again, I was quite young when I saw that movie. Yeah. Do you remember what they were actually called when the guy picked them up in China? I think it was or Japan. No. They were called uh, Mogwai. Yes. Yeah, we call them gremlins because the guy was like talking about his watch and the truck he was driving, saying that there's gremlins wrecking all the machinery and technology. There's gremlins in my watch, gremlins in my truck. So mm. that's why they call them gremlins because they wreck everything. They, the, uh, oh, might, they destroy so much. One of my favorite uh, scenes in that was when the lady had one of those uh, easy lift chairs to go up to the second floor because she's an old lady. And oh yeah, the one. The one that's attached to the wall, and she can just sit in it and ride it up or down the stairs? Yeah, and it goes up this spiral staircase, which are, from what I've uh, heard working in framing, is that those spiral stairs, to figure out the whole, the increments of increase to get to the next floor, the whole, the width of the outside versus the only the short width of the inside of the spiral and everything, getting it right, is quite the mathematical and uh, tedious thing to do. But when done right, it makes a beautiful looking stairs. Mm -hmm. But this lady, she hops into the chair and she doesn't realize that the gremlins behind her or there's been a few ahead of her that wrecked the chair. So she hops in and this thing turns into a roller coaster ride and just sends her rocketing up the stairs and when it comes to the end of the track, it, the chair stops. Yeah. But anybody who knows about thing, like Newton's law of things of motion stay in motion. Uh, she stays in motion. 
and goes flying out that second floor window and out into her front yard and crashes. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was like so well done because that was like, I can't imagine how much prep work it took to get that just right and launch yeah. some dummy mannequin person. Or I think it may have been a real person because I think she flailed through the air to land on the airbag or whatever they uh, caught her. Yeah, they, they, they may have used stunt people for that, yeah. Yeah, so obviously it was a lot of work and everything, and I think that was like an incredible like scene, because you think, oh, the thing that's supposed to keep her safe from falling down made her fall from a really high height. Yeah, absolutely. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. did they shoot spikes? Um, maybe a few special ones, but of course it's been so long since I I've know. seen the original, and I don't think I've ever seen, like, from beginning to end, the sequel. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, so I, like, when it comes to a lot of movies, there's uh, some catching up I gotta do compared to you. Yeah, well, I mean, I had 13 years in a video store, so I had plenty of time to watch a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it was part of your job. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, but yeah... I definitely, to me, that's just a classic horror movie. It's fun. I don't know if you would necessarily classify it as, like, a monster movie. But there were definitely... I would. Yeah, there are definitely these little, like, gremlins. i got to make sure I say gremlins, because I might be confusing the shooting spike things with another movie called Critters. <laughs> oh, I think Critters was the shooting spike. And uh, they were similar-ish, at least the monsters, kind of, and stuff. So, but, uh, so that's why I'm like, ah, oh, I can't just call them little critters. But they're like little monsters that just wreak havoc, and I don't even know, I don't think... For the most part, you don't even see where they are or what they're doing, yeah. and that's what makes them... So scary, is because you're like, I can't even see them. And of course, to them, the fun part is causing all this chaos and havoc that hurts people and gets people killed. Yeah. So they take great joy and pleasure in the whole just wrecking house. Yeah. So that was a pretty interesting one that kind of made you think, because like, okay, so if my truck starts having issues or something starts going wrong, yeah, you know, is it like just a technical issue or is it a gremlin wrecking things? Exactly. So yeah, like it had a great after movie shock value, which obviously put it up there on our list. Yes. Now, the next movie that we want to talk about, which is one I remember from a long time ago as a kid, yep. was It. Ooh, what a creepy movie. And I've only seen the Tim Curry ones, I've, which was the classic, like what, early 90s, late 80s, whenever that came out? Yeah, I think the first one came out sometime in the maybe late 80s, maybe 1990, and then I think the second one came out in 93. Yeah, and those movies there, like, it really threw the whole, like, you're not quite sure what's real, what's being manipulated by this clown, and... <laughs> There's all these, you know, like, it was just the fact that when you, when you, if you saw a random floating balloon, it's like, oh. yeah, and it's like, the balloon wasn't like in the sky or whatever, it was about at head height, and when it popped, the clown was right behind it. Yeah. That was a great shock value thing. This is a movie that we had a hard time putting it at number seven, because it almost went higher on our list, mm -hmm. because first off, Tim Curry... An incredible actor. Incredible actor. Like, I don't think anyone... Uh, no, that being said, I haven't seen the newer ones either, but I don't think anyone could play Pennywise quite as well as he did, in, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but also, this is a movie that made an entire generation terrified of clowns. Right? Mm -hmm. um, it just... 
you know, yeah. <laughs> You're kind of losing your words here. Sorry, I'm just marveling in, like, the wonder of it. Like, Stephen King is such an amazing writer. And he came up with this character that is so tormenting to children. Well, let's call it a monster, because it ate kids. Yeah, that's very... And, and honestly, the clown was just the form he took. Yeah. When they actually got down into the caves and stuff, he wasn't really a clown anymore. No, it was a weird... Oh, thing. weird yeah. thing. <laughs> if, yeah. yeah, of course, obviously, this really like this movie's so old that this really shouldn't be a spoiler alert, but I really don't know how to describe it, uh, especially yeah, it, with how they defeated it. A blobby thing, maybe? Yeah, like, a blobby... like it was some kind of insect-type thing or something, and its underbelly was like these uh, lights that were supposed to hypnotize people. But any... Yeah. Yeah, so. but the thing... Um, one of my favorite shock scenes in the whole movie was when um, the kid who used to be, like, because it always goes back back and forth between when they were kids and when they were adults. Yes. And the there was, like, what, one girl in the group? Maybe two? Uh, I one. think there was one. Yeah, there was, so there was one girl in the group, and, of course, this little younger fat boy, you know, he was, like, he liked her, but, of course, he was kind of beating himself up thinking she'll never like me because I'm fat. So he grew up, he started eating salads and working out and everything, and he got, you know, uh, very trim and healthy. And so, of course, he talks to her when they come back and they realize that the clown is still around and is still going after them. Mm -hmm. And he kind of has a moment to kind of be with the girl that he loves and talking to her and everything. And they get a little passionate and then they start kissing. And then it it goes to his face and he open, like kind of has his eyes closed and he open like he realizes that there's some lipstick on his face and he wipes it away and she wasn't wearing this blood red lipstick. Yeah. And then once he realizes that what it is, he sees that it's the clown, it. Yeah. And the, Tim Curry, I love this line, "Kiss me, fat boy," and goes for another kiss and just scares the crap out of him because it's like you don't like again you don't know what's really real and what's not when yeah. this clown is after you, and. It's hard to tell, like, sh show people proof or whatever, because it's all an illusion. But there's real life dangers that are going around with it. Yeah. So it's not just like all in your mind, but you don't know when the illusion and reality are blurred, because it's, you know, things seem so real and so plausible, but yet impossible at the same time. Yeah. So it was a really, really good um, book, and it was and also. Yeah, and the film did a wonderful job, and like again, Tim Curry, like you said, you don't think anyone could play Pennywise as well as him, but I think Tim Curry is incredible. Like I don't, haven't seen something he's been in that I didn't enjoy. No, even something as campy as the Clue movie. We yeah, like I was kind of confused. I was like, Tim Curry's in this, and like he's, you know, it's like how is this all going down, and like the yeah. whole running around and just his. <laughs> extravaganza of stuff that he does is just like Tim Curry to me was he's a, he was an acting genius yeah he was an incredible actor who has done some incredible work yes um I just want to tell you I don't know is my favorite scene in the movie mm -hmm. is actually when he's interacting with George oh yeah that is terrifying and especially when he's like uh, things down here float and y'all float too, Georgie! And then just grabs him and he's done. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the introduction of him was scary enough, and of course they just built on that. Absolutely. So that's why that was number seven, and that was a hard... 
Like, none of these movies... Like, it was really... We had a good long debate about mm-hmm. which ones where these go. So, the movies that were ranked below it were only, like, only kind of like... It was like it was easy to put them underneath the number seven spot, but the ones above it, some of these did require a little debating. Absolutely. And so, moving on to number six, Insidious. Are you talking about Darth Sidious? No. Oh, so we're not talking about the Force? No. My bad. Wrong show. Wrong episode. <laughs> Get out of here, Darth Sidious. <laughs> Wrong episode. Fine. I'll go back to making cookies. Always gets more people for the dark side. <laughs> Anyways, uh, enough of my uh, goofiness. So, yeah, Insidious. Yes. This was a movie made by, uh, was it Blumhouse? Yeah, it was a Blumhouse film, and it had James Wan as the director, I do believe. Yep. And Lee Winnell is in it. He plays Specs. Yeah. Right? And we also have Lynn Shea in it. Yeah. Right? She plays, like, the psychic chick. Yeah. She's uh, a pretty important character, but not not until, like, what, halfway in the movie does she kind of come in? Or? Yeah, she comes in, like, a little bit later in the movie, but she is a very important character and one that will tie all four of the movies together. Yes. that was Her a- and Specs, and I feel bad because I can never remember the other guy's name. In their team. Yeah. But he's hilarious as well. They definitely uh, make a, quite the trio. Yeah. I like that Specs and the other guy kind of bring like a little bit of humor into the movies, at least in the later movies. Right. But um, Insidious, to me, is terrifying. Because, okay, so you've heard of Astro Projecting. Yeah. That's the whole leaving your bo- your your soul or your mind or whatever you want to call it leaves your body and you can wander around. Yeah, and it usually typically happens like either during a near death experience or like in a deep state of sleep or yeah, something. And stuff. But that's kind of the premise at least of like the first film. Yeah. Um and I guess the second film, but it is terrifying. Because all this, like, it's like ghosts and astro projecting and demons and all this scary shit that I'm, like, terrified of. So that's why, to me, this movie was so scary. Not to mention the fact that when this movie came out, my nephew was a baby. Mm -hmm. And there is a terrifying scene in the film... With the baby monitor. Do you remember that? Yep. And holy crap. It's one of those cases of you know something's going wrong, but you can't see it, or you can't tell where it is exactly, and that's when you go to investigate, nothing's wrong, which builds up the tension. Yeah. And I gotta say, Blumhouse, uh, even though not like not a lot of their movies made it onto our list, I don't think I've really seen one that they haven't done really well with. Because they don't just go for the cheap jump scares. They yeah. they are good at building the tension. Yeah, and I know Truth or Dare was a Blumhouse. Yeah, like... It, so, I mean, a couple of them made it on here, and it's not for lack of them being good, it's just that we've seen a lot of movies and yeah, had to so make some hard decisions. But, yeah, I definitely... And just the creepy, just the creepy factor throughout the entire movie is really what got me that tension building... And stuff, so, yeah. One thing I do want to say that's actually really cool about what they did was that 
when the mom came home in the first movie, because um, this is a whole series. So in the yes. first movie, she's getting groceries and everything, but she sees a little boy dancing in her house with the old record player playing. Yeah. And he's doing a little sway and everything. You know, it's really, I can't uh, describe it better than that. And of course, like it's if like we had a, video, yeah. you'd see. But the whole, he's kind of swaying along kind of thing, enjoying the music. And it's that whole tiptoe. Oh, I hate that song. Yeah. And so when somebody sees it, of course, me, I know some people that made good jokes with it, with like uh, Full Metal Alchemist jokes and stuff that I won't ruin in case people want to see it and enjoy it. But yeah, it's the whole, it, it's a really, it's like a nice, calm, pleasant song. But when a, a ghost is playing it and swaying to it and running through your house, it becomes super creepy. So that, okay. I'm going to disagree with you that that's a nice, pleasant, calm song. Because maybe I've seen it, because it has been used in more horror movies than just this one. But it was mostly used in Insidious. Well, I've seen it in... Oh, no, I'm saying, like, like, they used it, I think, a few times. Like, like, I think in Insidious 1 and maybe in 3 or something. Uh, I don't remember, but... But, Yeah, anyways, it's been used in other horror movies. Um, so that song is actually terrifying to me, and every time I hear it, my, the like the hair on the back of my neck or whatever, like, it just stands up on end, and I'm just creeped out, because to me, that is one of the creepiest songs ever made. Yeah, I have a horrible prank in mind now. No. (laughs) I'll tell you now, no. You'll be sleeping, you'll be sleeping on the floor. You don't even get the couch if you do that. (laughs) He's like, you will change the lock and make sure I sleep in my car for a week. (laughs) But no, uh, I was just thinking it was like the whole, because I work uh, late shifts now, working uh, as a bartender, so I think it would just be funny to one day come home while you're dead asleep, be super quiet, and then on my phone, play that in the hallway, so all you hear is that, and just get you the willies like you wouldn't believe, and you're giving me this death glare that just says, I will murder you right now if you ever try something like that. No, we're being recorded right now, so I would not murder you, but I would be very upset with you. You, yeah, you would, but of course that's also like my joke about buying a Ouija board and no. uh, well, buying two of them, showing her the one, and then uh, having uh, you know an accomplice with this. So it's like we take the first one. It's like fine, fine, we'll go burn it so you can see that it's destroyed and we don't have any more. And then when we get back, somebody put the second Ouija board on the co- or in the living room table or coffee table or something like that, and it's facing towards like when we enter into the apartment. And they see, or you see, that there's the second Ouija board. And it's almost like the name is looking at you to give you the heebie-jeebies. But, of course, since I've told you about this, even though you know it would be me, you know, be pulling a prank and everything, it would just scare the daylights out of you. On a scale of 1 to 10, since we're doing a top 10 list, how impressed do I look by your... Okay, so, like, 10 being very impressed and 1 being, like, you son of a bitch... I would say I'm look I'm rocking like a point uh point six. Yeah. Yep. So it's like you're breaking the scale a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, no, no. So those are those to me. Those are pranks. Those are fun jokes because nobody gets harmed. It's just for shock value. It's just for scare. Like just there's no physical harm done. It's just kind of the whole shock factor of them. Mm-hmm. That to me, that's what a prank should be. Is like it's not like throwing paint or a pie into somebody's face. It's yeah. Just doing something that makes somebody, you know, jump back like those just for laugh gags. Yeah. 
uh, which is a Canadian show in case anybody outside of Canada is listening. It's a whole bunch of things where they try to trick people into thinking, oh, you know, something shocking happened. That's not really happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, that was a pretty good movie that uh, used that song and uh, it built up the tension before they did a jump scare or sometimes would just drop the tension after that, but without you knowing that nothing's going to happen. So you're on alert without there being a need for it. And I'm pretty sure too. I know of at least one instance in that movie um, where they actually, you have to watch really carefully because she's just doing a normal everyday task. And it looks like there's a coat rack. But it's actually like a ghost. Yeah, the ghost boy that was dancing to the music. Yeah. So that's really neat too. I like when there's hidden gems like that in movies. Yeah. So that's our number six. Number five is... The Evil Dead. Ah, classic. Yeah, so... Now, you're talking original or remake? Original. I haven't okay. seen the remake. Um, actually, when I first saw the original, I think I was uh, late teens, kind of like somewhere around 18, 19 years old. And, oh man, the gruesomeness of this movie, the, finding the book in the cabin, the rickety cabin in the woods yeah. and... Like this is the this is like the start of that whole horror movie cliche that you find an old rundown cabin in the middle of the woods. You find a book with Latin in it. You read the Latin and things go wrong. It um, amazes me in these movies, by the way. I just want to point out how people are able to read this Latin so perfectly that it actually works. I feel like if we found a book with Latin in it, well, a we wouldn't read it. But b even if we did read it, it's not going to come out anywhere close to what the incantation is supposed to be. <laughs> Yeah, I bet you there would be, like, a demon going, like, um... I thought I was going to get summoned, but I guess not, so I'll go have a beer instead. I I think they just placed an order for Chinese takeout, (laughs) not actually summoning me, but okay. Yeah. Something along those lines, and yeah, but the one scene when the girl runs uh, out of the cabin... And this one, like, horrifies me. The trees come alive. Yeah. And when I say come alive, I don't mean, like, they grew legs and became ants or anything, like, you know, it's Lord like... of the Rings type thing. They became, like, tendrils. They grabbed her, dragged her to the ground, just started... Uh, Violating you... her. Yeah, like, in every aspect that they could, and it was just, like... I was watching this thinking, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what the frick is going... What am I watching, like... And it just, it, it gets pretty gory, it gets pretty shock value, like, out of all of that. And, yeah, it was just, like, this movie was something that was, like, people watch this? Like, I thought, the like, the, when people were saying that The Exorcist was bad when it came out, people were puking in the theaters. How were they not puking at this? Yeah. It's, uh, definitely crazy, because it was quite a gory movie. Um, but it had a good story, Oh, yeah. And, and I it, can look past gore when it has a good story. Oh, yeah. The story was really good. And finding the old record tapes or the old uh, spin wheels or whatever it was for the tape recorder that they found there. The guy was documenting his findings on the reading the book, uh, which was the Book of the Dead, I believe that they called it. I believe so, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just everything that he went through. The guy was like talking about all his findings and recording like his research into this book and how evil it was. You're talking about Ash, right? Well, Ash and all his friends and everything, yeah. but then they found the recordings the and listened who, to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and stuff. And we obviously can't talk about the Evil Dead without giving a little nod to Army of Darkness. Yeah. <clears throat> Even though it wasn't as horror-based movie kind of thing, it is definitely a classic, kind of like 
dark comedy type movie. Yeah, they went. I think they went so hardcore horror, and I mean, Army of Darkness was still gory. Yeah. But they added humor into it. Yeah, and, and that softened that I think a bit. Yeah, and of course, many people will recall this line. This is my boomstick. Yeah. And he's holding up the shotgun. And so, yeah, you know, it's like, I mean, if you're going to be fighting uh, evil monsters and demons and all kinds of stuff like that, a shotgun is a good classic choice because most of those things get up and try to rip you apart. And a shotgun is a up-close-and-personal weapon. Yeah. And Bruce Campbell, what an actor. Yeah, he definitely will forever be remembered as Ash. It literally made him a cultural icon. Yeah, exactly. These movies. And so... That's uh, kind of it for the Evil Dead one. Moving on to number four. Okay. Await further instructions. Ah. So this was like a newer-ish movie that we saw. (sighs) You let me down. I thought you were going to actually be like, how long am I waiting for or something? Sorry. Come on, I'm trying to be funny about this stuff. Like when we said Insidious, I went all Star Wars on it. I thought you'd be... I'm sorry, I'm not as quick as you. Come on. I know, but it was just <laughs> it was such an easy setup and I'm everything. sorry, do you want to do it again? Yes, please. Okay. Await further instructions. Hello? Hi. How long am I waiting for? No, that's the name of the movie. Oh. See, yeah. See, it's so much better when you actually go with that kind of thing, but because it kind of had a little spoiler and build up to it, it wasn't as funny. I'm sorry. It's okay. Well, work on your... The story of our lives. I always ruin your jokes. (laughs) I know. Like, I'm talking about all these, like, great jokes that would terrify the living daylights out of you, but would be funny. It was like... You're just no, like, those are not those are not funny, funny jokes. Okay, fine. Well, they're not funny jokes, but to me, that I would be on the floor, like laughing tears of joy, probably so hard I'd lose bladder control. That's because when you want to, you can choose to be an asshat. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> I, I, you know, not even gonna try to deny that for a I'm half a joking. second. I'm joking. You're so nice. You wouldn't do it because you know it would upset me. That's why you wouldn't do it. That's why I tell you about it, because to me, it's still, even telling you about it makes it funny, and the look on your face makes makes it like, I am not going to try this ever, but just the concept idea behind this, with you knowing every aspect of it just being a joke, yeah. still makes you go, I will kill you. Yeah. You wouldn't really, but th- your eyes say you would. Exactly. So, okay, so Await Further Instructions was actually a foreign film. It was actually from England. Yeah, it was from the UK. Yep. And it had, like, when I first saw this and read the details on Netflix about it, I was like, huh, this actually looks like it might be interesting. It could be a total flop, but... Yeah. So, of course, a lot of uh, UK films and stuff like that, uh, there's quite the tradition of Halloween stuff. Like, like a lot of Doctor Who fans know, doesn't, they don't call it Christmas, they call it Hummus. Yeah. Because, not Hummus, Hummus. (laughs) Um, because making me hungry. Yeah. (laughs) But because they call it that because that's when the new season of Doctor Who starts is on Christmas and it's a Christmas special startup. Yeah. Um, and then of course in the show, in the movie, it's supposed to be like Christmas Eve, you know, this guy catches up with his family. He brings his new girlfriend over who happens to be of, I want to say Middle Eastern heritage. I'm not really sure where she was from, but anyways, I don't know that she wasn't Caucasian. To yeah. put it uh, politically correct. 
And yeah, she was Middle Eastern. Yeah, so of course, um, she's there with him, and you can tell these two, like, they love each other, they're having a good time, and, you know, there's the dad of the family, and they actually live with their, there's the granddad living with them, and, yeah, the the xenophobia kicks in a little bit, and they're talking about how Britain used to be great until Middle Eastern people came in, and blah, it, yeah, it that, got horrible. That pissed me off, I was, I was ready to shut it off. Yeah, so of course, like they're getting into these big uh, spats about everything, and um, they decide, you know what? Early in the morning, um, we'll leave before anybody wakes up, and we'll go back home, have a turkey pizza, and watch uh, Doctor Who Christmas special. Yeah, because like the thing is, is the mom was really nice. Yeah, yeah, she was. It was just the rest of the family somehow turned into pieces of shit. Yeah, and it was like there was like what four or five other people in that household that were just becoming complete asshats because somebody happened to be from a different uh, ethnicity. Oh well, there was the granddad, the dad, the mm. sister, and her husband. Yeah, so there's four people who made it sound like just because she's not of the same ethnicity that anything falling apart or anything going wrong in the country was somehow her fault, even though she was a, ner a, a registered nurse, somebody who has dedicated their lives to helping people. Yeah, so, I mean, in my opinion, those four people could go eat a shit pie, but that was just... That's an interesting one. I've never heard that one before. Well done. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, of course, they plan to leave. But then when they get up and they open up the front door... It's blocked. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like, you know, there's like a bunch of debris in the way or something. It's a uh, fully bla pitch black sealed metal wall. Yeah, and, and it encompasses the entire house. Every window, every po possible uh, point of exit and stuff like that is sealed by this. And they can't, like the guy tries swinging like a crowbar or hammer at it and like nothing's even denting it. Yeah, and then they look over at the TV and it says await further instruction. So they're all like, well, you know, it's um, a, tel uh, what was it, a telegram or whatever, like the television like kind of thing. Like every channel was on await further instructions. Yeah, so they're like, oh, this, now they're going from like, oh, crap, to, oh, well, this must be something that the government has put in place to protect us from something. Yeah, and it's like, well, how would the government be able to, like, block off every single house? And um, a lot of the times I found myself thinking the same things as the the guy who has the... The protagonist. Yeah, the protagonist, where he's talking with his girlfriend about everything going on, and... Things start to go downhill fast. Well, some of those instructions were just sketchy as shit anyway. And it was really weird how the instructions always seemed to be updated and quite accurate about, like, what how to, like... What was happening in the house. Yeah, and it was just like, okay, so how are they able to see what's going on here if we can't see what's going on out? Like, there's no cam cameras hooked up around. There's yeah. just these, you know, walls that are making it without electricity. We'd have no lights in the house. Yeah. So what is going on? Mm -hmm. And it takes some interesting turns. Yeah, like the whole thing of it, and then in like it, all the way up to the end, like you think everything is gonna be, you know, one way, and then it goes a complete opposite direction. Yeah. Good movie, all well, like all all the way to the end, and I recommend it for a lot of people who like something that's a step outside the cliches and the norms. Yeah, I definitely agree, and I did enjoy that film as well. Minus the xenophobia and the... But I think that added a lot of, like, the whole... It added to the atmosphere of them being stuck together. Yeah, because... And gave you an idea of why this guy hadn't seen his family in so long. Yeah. All right, <laughs> so then, moving on. Yes, to number three. 
Saw. And I've already done it, but want to play a game. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, Saw franchise. To me, I remember you saying that a lot of people you know would refer to the Saw movies as murder porn. Yeah. In which case, I have a quick little pointer to counter that. Have you seen Final Destination? That is murder porn. This one actually has a psychology in it. Yeah, and that's... I, I, I mean, we, we're we not going to touch on this too much because we did a whole episode on it. But that's one of the things that drew me to it. It's another James Wan, Lee Winnell film. Mm-hmm. Ha! And tonight I'm not even messing up their names. Uh, <laughs> Good job, but you're not, yeah, we're not trying to say them like 15, 20 times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's leave it on a good record. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's the psychology behind it. And the fact that it's not just some guy out there like revenge killing or setting people up to fail. Or he's it's, some kind of demonic monster. Yeah, he. It, it's, a, it's a point of... This psychology to try and, like, perhaps fix people or make them fight for their lives or whatever that really turned me on to those movies um, in a way that I think maybe listening to a bunch of true crime podcasts, yeah. it you make me want, you know, I want to understand the psychology of those and I want to understand the psychology of this guy. Because technically you could almost consider this guy a serial killer. Because if they don't, if you I would have consi enough, consider him a serial killer. Yeah, if you have enough people that don't get out of his games, then did he kill them or did they kill themselves? Right, and that's part of the allure. Of I the movies. I would be leaning toward heavily towards that he is a first degree serial killer, like a first a first degree murder serial killer, because it is heavily premeditated. There's no way that any of this could even be remotely an accident. And anybody who dies, it's like because he put them in the situations, he just gave them an out. See, so, I would say it was more negligent homicide. Because, well, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know the term. But it would be like a premeditated negligent homicide. Because he put them in the position, but they had the chance to escape. Right? And they didn't. So, he was a contributing factor to their death. But he didn't outright make it so they couldn't yeah. escape. Right. I don't know. Anyway, like that's that, just that, a fascinating thought. That gets into legal thought. stuff, but it's, it's just a the good... fascinating thoughts that go through my head when I'm watching them. And of course, like, even even when you're not watching them, like, there's still, like, the whole, you're thinking about it and all the horrible traps and all the, yeah. you know, like, situations where it's, you know, what would you do here? How would you get out of this? And all other kinds of things. Yeah. And so that leaves it for a movie that shocks you in a, after the movie's over, you still reminisce and think about it, and, you know, whether it intrigues you or horrifies you, it's still something that goes through your mind. And that's what makes a great horror movie. Exactly. Alright, so we'll leave that one at that, because if you guys want to hear more, go back to our episode that we did, I think it was actually just last week, uh, or two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah, called Hey Nerds Want to Play a Game. Yeah, so check that out if you want to hear more about Saw. But, uh... Moving on to number two. Yes. The Silence. This movie was creepy. Mm-hmm. So, first off, I just have to say this movie had one of my favorite actors in it, Stanley Tucci. I've seen him in so many things. He plays so many different roles. It's just, he's a great actor. And the premise of this movie was interesting. Yeah, so... Like, there's been some movies that try to, like, 
use the whole claustrophobia, going underground and everything. Like, um, I think it was called uh, The Cave or the like uh, The Deep or something like that. Like, there were some movies that use the whole what if there's something that was lurking mm. deep underground yeah. that, uh, you know, was carnivorous or would eat or attack people or attack something that ventured into their territory because, you know, there's a thing called spelunking. Where you dive into underwater caves yeah. and all kinds of stuff. And it was like, so what if you go there? This movie starts off with these guys were searching for a uh, lost uh, underground kind of like society, like uh, city or whatever that it was. I think they so. Were, they were like archaeologists who were looking. But when they broke this wall and found the city, they were like, we found it, we found it. And they're cheering for joy. But there's these like creatures mm-hmm. that because they've lived in this dark cave for so many thousands of years that the use for eyes is completely useless. It's going off of sound like bats. Yeah. And they are far more ravenous and attack uh, aggressive than uh, your average bat would be. Like, they would attack anything and everything that is not them making a noise. Exactly. So they kind of come bursting out and they start attacking everything. Yeah, and... The only place, really, that people are safe is, I believe, in, like, colder climates. So we're safe. Up here in Canada. In the winter. Yeah, you know. That's, what, eight, nine months out of the year? True. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not winter that long here, but... Some, it feels like how, it sometimes. <laughs> with how short summer can feel, especially yeah. with, you know, like, plus 25, 30 being, like, the hottest times of the year where we live, um, yeah, it can feel like summer is gone in, like, two, three months, and then it's back to, like... Well, snow's going to be happening tomorrow or any day. Yeah, and stuff. But it was a really interesting premise, and it was super creepy, and I liked that. And it had an extra component of, like, a creepy cult, and we'll just leave it at that. Yep. And stuff, but I really liked it. I thought it was a really smart, 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 your yeah. I don't know how to talk. (laughs) Did somebody cut your tongue a bit? (laughs) Uh, so that's a little joke for when you, if you've seen the movie. Or if you watch, decide to watch the movie. Um, but it was a smart film, and I like smart films. And so I really enjoyed this film. Yeah, so there's uh, a lot of... Uh, the family has a little girl who is actually deaf. Yeah. She lost her hearing when she was uh, young. I think so. And I can't remember, like, obviously a kid and everything... And so they all begin to learn how to speak sign language. So that's one advantage that this family has, actually, because they can communicate with each other without making noise. And honestly, after watching this film, I was like, maybe we should learn sign language. (laughs) Just in case. You never know when we may need it. Um, I only know two things in sign language, and that's hello and how to tell somebody you don't like them. (laughs) <laughs> I'll just leave that for everybody's imagination. Yeah, that's fair. But, uh, yeah, so there's that whole... Oh, and good job. Yes. And bad job. I know... So I know four things in the sign language. I mean, I know, I guess, technically, how to run a crane. Like, yeah, but that's though, not that really is considered not sign. sign language. No. Like, we're talking, like, they were speaking, like, American sign language. 
So. So they knew how to like see each other, communicate, and not make a sound, and they could have full conversations about what they're gonna do, what they're thinking. Which is such a great advantage for them. It was, yeah, it was really neat. It where, was a neat film. Yeah, where some people were getting sharpies and paper and writing out messages and being like holding it out, and like people would read it and be like, oh. Yeah, which it. which you can do it that way too. It's just slower. It's yeah. a slower way of communicating, and if you need to be fast and on your feet and well prepared, that might, that puts you at a disadvantage to have to write everything out. Yeah, speed is key. <laughs> but, um, so that movie there created quite the interesting concept because the monster, even though it wasn't overly unique, uh, the family situation and how they managed to, uh, survive for as long as they do, um, the concept of just the situations they come across which yeah makes a lot of sense in some ways uh you just kind of think oh man like this this is what would you do and you kind of think like how fast would society crumble or how fast would people turn on each other or something like that if these things did start happening yeah which, I gotta say, I still don't feel bad about how hard I laughed at the one lady who came out of her house wielding a shotgun yelling, Get off my land! And then the thing started attacking her. Uh, attacking her. Uh, yeah. It's like, lady, there is something that is attacking everything. Like, it's attacking animals, humans, yeah. anything that's not them making a noise. And you're coming out of your house yelling loud, blow, or shooting a shotgun off. It's like, you know, the being united as a... Uh, as, a species is more important than, hey, you're on my property. Yeah. It's like, okay, once everything is, like, taken, like, once, you know, if humanity survives these things and everything, then you can be like, that. that's my property and stuff. Like, worry about it then. Yeah. When humanity's being attacked, you know, kind of stand together. You know, work together. It's a little topical, but, you know, it's I'm not going to go too much into that. Yeah, it's like a survival of the fittest thing, kind of, right? Like... Most adaptive, I would say. Oh, yeah, so... Yeah, but that was, uh... That was the silence, and now for the number one spot, which I do feel like uh, this one earned it for being so outside the box, had so many movies following it. Uh, if anyone can want to take a guess, I'll give you three seconds to kind of take a guess at what you think our top pick was. One, two, three... A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Now, my per I personally went for him as Halloween, like two or three years, kind of like for like you know, different Halloweens. Yep. And I would always make the joke that I'm going as the man of your dreams. Ha! Nice. Yeah, that actually is a line from Robert England, the guy who plays Freddy. Yeah. And yeah, we actually watched a uh, bit of a documentary about it called "Never Fall Asleep <laughs> or Never Sleep Again." Uh, never sleep again. Yeah. Um, but it's a four-hour documentary. So, and honestly, we got watching it, and then we were like, "Oh, we should watch those movies again because we love them so much." So, we actually wanted to watch the movies again before we started getting any farther into the documentary. Yeah. But some of the interesting things that we did learn from the documentary is that Wes Craven actually um, had read articles. In a newspaper about, I think he said they were Asian? Yep. An Asian young man, and there might have even been multiples, but the story he told. Anyway, 
was um, that he had read an article about a young man dying in his sleep. We'll go more into it because we plan at some point to do an entire episode on Nightmare on Elm Street. So I don't want to go too, too much into it. And this I actually knew before we watched the documentary, but you just learned about it when we watched the documentary. Yeah. Um, about someone dying in their sleep. And he was so intrigued about it that he was like, well, what if there was someone in his dreams who were killing him? Mm-hmm. What if there was, like, it wasn't just like... How do you escape that? Yeah. And a lot of people, like, there's been, like, with the new movies and, like, the originals and everything, they don't really go too heavy into this, but the original first movie even says that uh, Freddy Krueger was a pedophile child murderer. Now, we're not going to touch on the, on, the, on the first little aspect, but he was a child murderer, and I think he killed 20 kids. It was something like that. And so, of course, he was a horrible monster, and because uh, some, somebody didn't cross their I's and dot their T's on, uh, in the paperwork and stuff, it was a technicality, and Freddie got uh, released from custody bef- like scot-free for all these murders because somebody was negligent with the paperwork. Pretty easy plot premise on that one. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the movie... So you got to remember, when these movies came out, you had Texas Chainsaw Massacre. A guy wearing a, a mask, yes, made of human skin, but a mask, wielding a big, bulky chainsaw. Which, I mean, that's kind of creative, like, you know, because like when you hear a chainsaw going, and especially when it revs, it's pretty scary noise. Yeah, and then you had Jason. Yep, a big, lumbering guy wearing the hockey mask and swinging a huge machete around. Yeah. And then, of course, you have Halloween with Mike Myers, not the Canadian actor. Well, he's Michael Myers in that. Yeah, Michael Myers. And he's wearing a William Shatner painted uh, mask and is wielding a machete. Uh, no, it was just a big knife. There's a difference between oh, machete and... sorry. Bag. Yeah, like... I don't know was the like, difference, so that's my bad. But, you know, so and you got guys that... Like, three guys that are wearing masks that are the classic... Like, the horror movie icons of the time. Yeah. So you've got guys that never talk wear masks, and have big lumbering weapons that are scary. So it's all about this large, imposing, terrifying thing. And he wanted to create something that was different. Yeah, and I absolutely think he did it. I think that uh, Fred Krueger goes down in history uh, with the likes of... um, Such classics as, like, Chucky... Because, I mean, Chucky, like, may not be... I'm going even farther back, though. I'm going, like, uh... Dracula. Dracula, the mummy, Frankenstein and his monster, right? All those things. I think he fits in there as an icon. And, I mean, everybody sees that green and red... I mean, I have socks that are Freddy's sweater colors, right? Yep. Everybody sees that, and you just think, oh, man, like... If you're not thinking Christmas, you're thinking Freddy. Well, the green isn't really a Christmassy green. It's more of a I'm going to murder you in your dreams green. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when I was looking for a sweater to make my uh, Freddy Krueger one, I couldn't find a red and green one that wasn't Christmas themed, especially around Halloween time here in North America. So all I could find was actually a red and a dark blue. Mm. So, of course, being late at night and everything, dark blue, green, kind of. Kind of, you know, indistinguishable at certain yeah. points. It worked, especially if you had, like, the fake... Mask and glove. 
Yeah, and the hat and whatever, so. Yeah, so it was like, it wasn't a great costume that all put together, but I do remember this one, uh, one family came to my door when I first did this costume, and this little girl, she's wearing a, a princess costume, and she was like, trick or treat, and I open up the door, she sees my Freddy Krueger face, and she is just terrified uh -huh. and I see the horror in her eyes and I'm thinking oh my god this is horrible I immediately remove the mask take the glove off and I'm like see I'm just a regular person I'm not scary it's I'm just, just it's up. a costume it's Halloween and everything and her dad's holding her and she's all scared and everything and I gave her like a big handful of candy and everything and I'm like I'm so sorry and they're like oh no it's fine it's Halloween we get it it was like, yeah, the whole, and like, she just has this little thank you at the end, even though like you could tell she's trying to hold back her fear. Aww. And I'm just like, oh, like, I mean, I know it's Halloween, but like, this is where it was like, oh, they just kind of ripped me up inside. So, mm. you know, that was, a, but you know, obviously any other kids that came to the door, was, I was ready to be the whole like Freddy Krueger, the whole, you know, I'm going to get you in your sleep, little kids and everything. Yeah. Like you know, scare them, but it was just because she was this little five, four-year-old girl, and it was just, like, the way she was so, t like, in her pink little princess costume, I was like, oh, that still kind of makes me feel like a monster to this Aww, day. Aw, you're okay. I'm sure she's, like, yeah, you eight know. years old now and fine. Uh, yeah, I can't remember how long ago this was, but, you know, it was just, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, like, they're scaring people for fun, like, scaring you would be for fun, because you yeah. could understand it, but this little girl was like, no, that was just horrible. Also, one of the things that I absolutely love about it is Nancy, from the first film, anyway, is Nancy's character. Yeah. I think she's a really well-rounded character, right? She's doing her best to save her friends, and that's very important. To me, anyway, like, I like that in heroin and stuff. It's the same thing that drew me to Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween and stuff like that, right? Yeah, kind of, um... Strong women. Yeah, exactly. Girl power! Yeah, or as um, anybody who's ever played the DLC stuff in uh, South Park, Fractured Butthole, there's actually the horror one that's in there, and the superpower is called The Last Girl. <laughs> You're the last girl in the horror movie, and you have the you, you have the skills and knowledge and ability to defeat every monster that comes across you. And your character runs into a cabin and you, you know, assemble a chainsaw with, like, all these different weapon features on it. And you just wreck house on everybody that you attack with it. Yeah. It's a ultimate power for the RPG style kind of thing. But they call it the last girl. Yeah. So she's the last girl before, like, you know, she becomes the last girl in a way. You know, like, because the last girl means that every other character and girl has died. Mm -hmm. So she's the last one. But she is fighting Freddy and kicking his butt a bit before she's the last girl. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty good concept and premise that way. Yeah, definitely. They're my favorite. They'll go down in history, I think, as my favorite older horror movie. Mm-hmm. And also, you, you gotta remember that uh, the little rhyme that they did, which was pretty interesting and will f always be associated with, like, uh, a classic horror one. Yeah. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, better lock the door. Yeah. Five, six, grab your crucifix. Seven, eight, gonna stay up late. Nine, ten, never sleep again. But I love it when, uh, in one of the movies, when, because it's all these, it's these little kids in, like, pure white outfits doing jump rope and stuff, like, 
you know, playing and having fun, but you know that they're the victims of Freddy, and they're always in the <clears throat> dream world. That, uh, yeah, like I think it, I, can't, I think it was in the number four or five, and the whole like they sing that same rhyme. Yeah. But the, then all of a sudden it changes, and it's the nine, ten, he's back again. Yeah. And, oh, that just gave me shivers right now. <laughs> so, yeah, Freddy's kind of that interesting one to think of that how he has a strong concept like that he essentially violates people in the worst way possible and that's getting into your dreams where you think you're safe and where you're not resting and you should be relaxed and feel safe yeah but you're not yeah and i think it's also plays on that uh concept of evil never dies mm-hmm. right so yeah i definitely and there ain't no rest for the wicked. Yeah. So that's uh, that is our top ten. If you liked our list, please feel free to let us know. Uh, and if you have any uh, movies you think that should have been in the top ten list, uh, put a comment in on our Facebook page at Little Nerdy Podcast on Facebook. Just Little Nerdy. Oh, just Little Nerdy on Facebook. Or you can email at us. Email us at littlenerdypodcast.com. That's what I'm thinking of. That's Little Nerdy. Or gmail.com. Yeah, gmail.com. Jesus. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got it all together? I think so. Okay. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> Braining gear before mouth in motion. Yeah, so also we want to really quickly talk about our favorite podcast. You mean Dark Vale? I do mean Dark Vale with John and Tori. Yeah, I actually am hoping that they are going to do some very interesting Halloween-themed stuff like we're planning. Well, of course, we come out a day after them because they come out every Monday. Yep. And I know for a fact that they're newest episode that came out yesterday is on the real-life Amityville horror. Nice. Mm-hmm. So they're going to talk all about the DeFeo family. It's super interesting. Yep. You guys might... You should definitely tune in because you might learn a few things that you didn't know. My personal favorite so far has, has to be a toss-up between either the spontaneous human combustion one mm. or the... What was it? Adventure Nautica... Nautics? Or what's the one where it's like you put in like into your like it's an app game thing where it's like oh it's like a geo yeah geonautics or something like that where you put in like a detail of something you're looking to find in your journey and yeah it's the whole people like saying on Reddit that when they went rando nautica rando nautica thank you that's you're welcome (laughs) I couldn't remember the name of the app but the things they talked about and the things that they've discovered with it and it makes me want to try it uh, one of these days nope. That's well, a big, you can do it yourself. Uh, that's not a problem, but... You but if know, you find a million dollars, we share it. I went on this journey all by myself, and you want half the cut? You know, ah. why, you know why I don't want to see a dead body in I real know, life. I know why, but I'm just saying. It's like the whole, you know, I come across something really valuable or really good, and you want it, but if I come across something really bad, you don't want to be part of it at all? I see. You don't want the dangers, but you want the rewards. I get it. I get it. You yeah, send me much. out to the slaughter and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, I think my favorite episodes definitely have to have been um, the one that they did on Israel Keys. Oh, yeah. I learned good. a lot of information that I actually didn't know, no. and I thought that was really interesting. Good, good inf- uh, insightful information with those two. Yes, and also the... Haunted Mansion one. Oh, the Haunted Museum? Yes, sorry, the Haunted Museum. Well, it was like a house museum, but yeah. 
Um, with the what's his name? Something Baggins. Uh, Jeff Baggins. No, no, but um, but yeah. Anyways, his haunted museum one sounds very interesting. Something that I would love to go see one day in my life. I know you would only want to go there if you uh, could make sure that you know you had like every exorcism and evil repelling spell and enchantment thing that you could think of. Yep, this is make sure nothing follows me home. Hmm. Nothing's gonna follow you home because they know where you're going. They're gonna, gonna go home to me, and they're gonna go. Well, this is a lost cause. Ain't worth it. No, 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 no. We we know what the, goes through this guy's mind, and we may have been through hell, but we ain't touching that guy. But honestly, you guys definitely check out Dark Vale. It's super amazing, and I'm not just saying that because it's my brother and his girlfriend. I'm. It's content that I would listen to even if I didn't know them. Yes, they. Uh, are very funny back and forth yeah. between each other, and they have some very well-researched stuff. They may not be pr- uh, 100% perfect on all the facts and details, but, but they, ad- uh, yeah, they even admit to it that they They're might not miss... They're professionals. They, yeah, and they make mistakes just like the rest of us, but they try to be as thorough as possible, which is incredibly great, and they're humble enough to admit that... Something might be a little off or might not be 100% true, but they're not claiming that they're the college graduate experts on stuff. Yeah, and I've actually never come across anything that hasn't been 100% true, so good on them for doing excellent research, and highly recommend you guys listen to it. All right, well, thank you everybody so much for tuning in. Uh, can't wait for more or you to hear more of our October spooktacular uh, episodes or is it spooptacular? It's spooptacular. Oh, that's what you're calling it. Yeah. So because it's spoopy. Yes, I forgot spoopy. You're like Ethan. Uh, <laughs> anyways, so yeah, thank you everybody so much for tuning in. And remember, uh, no matter what your thing is or what you're into, at the end of the day, we're all just a little nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>